Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Catch new episodes of The O Show for free, available on all audio platforms, including Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. For full video versions of the podcast, head on over to YouTube and StarWorldWideNetworks.com. The O Show is presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness is an inclusive, high-intensity fitness experience developed by the champ Floyd Money Mayweather himself. The best group boxing workout in the market, Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Oh, Jack. Jack O'Hara. Boy, you asked me some interesting questions, my man. It's a great question, Jack. Jack, hey, it's Josh Radder. Hey there, Jack O'Hara. It's Johnny Damon. Jack, you had questions for me. Jack O'Hara? Absolutely. This message is for Jack O'Hara. Jack, how are you? Hey, Jack. Jack, hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's going on, Jack? Uh, listen, man, you know, you, you, you asked me a couple questions. Broadcasting around the world, you're listening to The O Show. In the show and uh, doing your thing, I mean, you've got some pretty big name guests. I've seen your, your stuff, so congratulations on your success. Jack O'Hara. Much nicer guy than Conan O'Brien, with much better interviewing skills. Don't forget to share this episode on your social media. Now, let's get to it. I am so boned. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's definitely gonna break up with you. She's definitely gonna break up with me. Should've used TickPick. Wait, what'd you say? TickPick. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? There are no hidden fees. What'd you guys think I said? Oh, TickPick. I thought you said TickPick. No hidden fees. Download today. Everybody, welcome back to the O Show podcast, episode 384. We're presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale, Arizona. We're joined today by Rebecca and Yenis. New film, Dysphoria. Uh, they're going to start production here in the next month or so, if I heard that correctly, uh, Yenis. And obviously, you're directing it. Uh, mental health is what I've heard is the forefront of this film, obviously, with what you're trying to to get out there, what word you're trying to spread out. And I kind of want to give you the floor right off the bat, you know, what, why, how, when, like, why were you inspired to make this film? Was it related to anything, you know, personal in your guys' life? What kind of brought this project together? So I'll start first. Um, So I'm the writer and director for Dysphoria. And I personally, um, I am actually an actress. Um, so I do a lot of like acting work. Um, and I also screenwrite uh, for like comedy. So uh, my best friend and I, Shinpei Chan, had a comedy, have a sitcom with BBC back in 2018, 2019. Um, and so my majority of the work, it's drama and comedy. And, and I think during the lockdown have, inspire me to actually write my own experience. Um, I think mental health is so not talked about in my culture and in Rebecca culture as well, like, you know, Asian women. Um, we sort of have a lot of, like, suppression and repression and and just a lot of the time it's, it's, it's if we talk about it, we make our family lose face. And so 
I think during lockdown, I feel like I'm older now and I shouldn't be fearful of talking about mental health and my experience. Um, so that's why I decided to write Dysphoria. Um, also, it's, it's about, you know, me as an immigrant woman and all my friends like Rebecca um, and with the cast that are involved, they're all like immigrant women. And we kind of have shared experience that we want to tell the world, you know. I, I think for Asian women, we always seem to be quite mysterious. It's just because it's not our style to talk too much, um, especially for something that can make our family feel like they're losing face. So I think it's very important that we can push this message out. Yeah. Now, was it difficult finding a cast? Obviously, you found Rebecca here to play a role as well, but was it more along the lines of, like, we need specific people who believe in what we're trying to shoot here as opposed to just finding the right actors and actresses? Um, both. I, I think finding the right cast were, was easier for me because, like I said, majority of my friends are actresses and, and they're immigrant women. And it was quite easy that throughout conversation, we sort of have shared experience. And for example, that, you know, being immigrant and being a woman, it's, it's, you know, it's more likely to experience depression because of the isolation and losing support from your family and friends, you know? So I think it was very easy for me to actually say, you know, get the right actresses and, you know, they, as long as they're like good actresses and then they're also immigrant women, it, it's, it's, you know, it, it'll get the job done. So it was pretty easy for me to pick the cast this time. And you both have uh, backgrounds in music, correct? In opera? No, that's me. <laughs> you? That's her. So how, how do you go from that to, again, like pursuing a career in film? What, what, what was kind of like the median there, bringing those oh, together? So basically, um, I was born in China and then migrated to Hong Kong with my parents when I was very little. And my parents, when they were in China, they'd been through Cultural Revolution. Um, back then, you can't really be academic or have any schooling. Like, you can't go to study. So my parents went to Beijing Opera performing school. Um, when I say, I think it's Peking Opera or Beijing Opera, like, you know, it's the same thing. Um, what they do is like, they act, they dance, they do acrobats, they do martial arts, they, they, they fight and, you know, it is, and singing. Um, so my parents, I, I grew up in a family that is quite sort of like performing arts is the center, you know, in my family. So, I always wanted, I always loved music. My mom said that when, when I was born, I didn't cry. I start using my hand dancing and very young, like I start singing. So um, I, back then I know all the commercial songs, you know, and lyrics and stuff like that. And I, I mean, I can't do that now. Um, but, uh, um, and then my, I think when I was in school, my parents were, um, after we went to Hong Kong, we were really, really poor. I grew up in the slum and we didn't have any money. So my parents was really against me going into show business. So, but when I was studying, um, my music teacher came over and say, I think you have a great voice. You need to go to the only one performing art school in Hong Kong. And I think I was only like 13. And 
they they have like 3,000 applicants and they only take six people each year. And I was one of the six. So that started my opera, you know, learning and, and falling in love with classical opera and studying music composition. Um, so that's, and then I got signed as a, to Sony Music Hong Kong as a teen pop singer. And then I thought that I was always going to be a singer-songwriter and then, and then got married, came to UK, and then that was, I was still writing music, but it was, I think, a lot more difficult when you're an Asian woman, when music industry doesn't know how to mold you and where to put you. So I started to do a lot more modeling and commercials and then ended up being in TV and film. And then I realized that all the roles that Asian women that are doing, they're not meaty roles. And they're not even, I love comedy. And no one asked us, Asian women, to, to be in comedy. So I just grabbed my best friend. I was like, let's just do something fun and put it on YouTube. And then we did 10 episodes, which is one episode Rebecca was in. And, you know, we worked together and then... I showed it to, I grab people on the street and show it to people and everyone, everybody loved it. And then I sort of like, okay, I need the industry people to have a look. So we call email BBC and Channel 4 and Warner Brothers, only Warner Brothers and BBC came. And then both of them kind of offer us a deal. And then we pick BBC and we, we have our executive producer, which is the uh, executive producer of the office you know, the original office. Um, he took the pro project on, loved our project, and then we took another six months to a year, I think. My math is not very good. Um, <laughs> the only Chinese that has no maths. Um, so we, we turned it into a sitcom for BBC for half an hour show. So the web series never been shown online or anything. Um, and then that started, it, that kick-started my screenwriting career. Wow, so did you, was it more of like people didn't expect, you know, someone like you in a sense to write and produce comedy stuff or was it more along the lines that they didn't want that, like that wasn't the normal? I think, I think the, the trend is, I think American always one step ahead. I think you guys always, um, more open with diversity um, in terms of over here in UK. And I, I think a little bit it's also because uh, the Asian community over here um, probably even more quieter than, you know, American Asian community. So um, I have no idea why they didn't think that Asian people could be funny. You know, I think it's 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 very weird. Like, you know, we were never so so when Chinese Burn came out, um, uh, our show when our sitcom sitcom came out. Uh, anyway, I'm I'm gonna explain what is Chinese Burn, which is in America, it's Indian Burn. So yeah, so um, when it when it came out, it, it's literally is it's literally it's like the the, the first female led sitcom in the West. So we had a lot, lot of, lot of press, and yeah, it was, it was a buzz around it. So I'm still very, very proud of it. Oh yeah, I mean, I would be too. And is this something that you know, obviously cultivated over time, kind of grew your love for film? And then you yeah. said that obviously during COVID, 
when it came to everybody, like really having no choice but to like look within themselves and kind of figure themselves out for about yeah. 15 to 20 months there. It's not even over for some people, you know? Uh, yeah. Still like just getting back to normal with live crowds and for events and everything in venues in the U.S. But, you know, yeah. having that be the forefront of everything, kind of, again, having to look in the mirror and thinking like, what do I want to do next? That's kind of what uh, inspired and kind of set your soul on fire to make Dysphoria and the film that it's going to be. Yeah, um, I mean, definitely. I mean, I know why I wanted to. It's time for me to actually write this and show the world. It's a short film, I know. It's it's not really like a feature length. But on the other hand, I think that because it's about mental health, it's about domestic violence, it's about someone trying to take their own life. It sounds really dark, but because I write comedy, the dialogue is a lot more wittier than pe what people might think. So, and at the end, it's a message to tell people that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. So, you know, and it's like a heartwarming message. And I wrote the short film to, you know, using a lot more surreal visual and style, put it in a film to, I really wanted to bring the audience into the perspective of someone that having a mental disorder, basically, because I was diagnosed with complex trauma and PTSD six years ago. And I was literally suffering this invisible illness. And, but I, I was quite high functioning and going to work, going to filming, acting, writing, producing, and, you know, no one actually can tell, um, but inside I was dying. And so there was one time that I finished work and I walked down the street. I literally saw a car coming and I just walked out and trying to get myself killed. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to say if this is trigger warning, if anyone that, you know, listening to this and if, if, if it's triggering you, then please call um, mental health, like, you know, support and, and helpline. Um, so um, it was it was the time that that second that when I jumped out and the car hit me, I flew. Nothing happened, even not even the bruise. Um, it was that moment that sparked me that I was having a conflict in my head about I was a burden and I don't want to burden my friends and family, and that's nothing for me to live for if I'm going to struggle mentally every day that I couldn't control my brain. The other side of my brain is saying but you have so many good things around you. And so it was that struggle that made me realize that I need to write dysphoria. I need to tell people what was happening in my head at that point and what, what made me, what that second of reflection that made me realize, you know, what life it's all about. So that's it. I'm talking too much, I'm gonna. <laughs> I mean that that you I mean you hit that right on the nail like there's so many times in life where you're going and going and going and you don't really like sit back and appreciate the things that you do have as opposed to yeah. the things that you don't the things that you feel like you deserve you know because yeah. I feel like everybody you know especially you know the three of us working as hard as we do and what we want to accomplish like not everything is going to go our way there's going to be bumps in the road sometimes you're going to hit a brick wall no pun intended but, you know, you're going to hit a brick wall and things aren't going to look bleak and things aren't going to look clear as you may have hoped, you know, like you put in the work and you expect things to happen. Or even like you at a young age, having those experiences that most kids don't have, you know, right yeah. off the bat in showbiz, like that's a lot of pressure, you know, like right off the bat, your, your brain is being 
told to act and, you know, learn certain things that most kids your age wouldn't learn. So, Rebecca, on your end, you know, obviously you guys have a good working relationship. You've worked together on stuff. What kind of, you know, triggered you and inspired you to want to be in this film? Like, what kind of, you know, attracted you towards this film and want to do it? First of all, I was forced. She, like, held me down and said, There it is. got to do it. You're written in. <laughs> no, I love her. Um, it's, you know, it was, we first, funnily enough, we first worked together back in 2012, 2013, on a film um, back then. And, and we didn't know this would be the start of a friendship, let alone a, you know, working relationship. So it's, it's quite poignant because it's almost like it came full circle. And at that time, um, you know, and it had David Jesse in, who, who, I mean, does a lot of stuff in, in the U.S. at the moment. But um, at that time, it, you know, like, who knew? And, and as I got to know Yenis and as she, you know, as she started writing and then with Chinese Burn, and I just got thought, who is this girl? who has so much courage and, you know, the audacity to just, like, do this and say it and, you know, just carve, you know, like, her own way as an Asian woman on screen. And that was that was inspiring and beautiful. And and I think, you know, being her friend and, like, um, working alongside her, there's, there isn't a person who works so hard, you know, like, and I'm, I'm very proud of her. A- apart from that, I think the story, Dysphoria, when she told me what it was, I think really struck a chord. It's really resonant because I was, so I was born in Singapore. I moved to South Africa. Um, my folks still live in the Cape and, and then, and I then moved back to Singapore to work. And then I came here uh, to, you know, to, to, to work on this acting thing. And, um, you know, I think, you know, having moved around so much and being an immigrant and, and, and reading this, you know, this narrative, it really, you really, you really, I think, realize how much when you do move around or any shifts, I mean, you don't have to be an immigrant, any shifts or transitions that you go through in life, you know, if you don't, if you're just dealing with it and you're surviving all the time, you don't have time to process them. So when there's a time like now where it's a pandemic, everything stops and there's more time to process things, to reflect on things, you realize how much I think one's mental health gets impacted, you know? And as a woman, so many times I think we silence ourselves and we are silenced by others, you know, unknowingly sometimes just because it's cultural or because it's uh, habitual or circumstantial. So I think in terms of the, the characters she's written in the story and, and the themes it surrounds, it's, it's very close to heart as well. Yeah, I feel like you guys definitely have more of an edge making this film because you're not only just doing something that you love, you're trying to send a message out there. Like, not only trying to send it, just trying to, like, blast it out there. You know, there, there's a reason why you're making this. There's a mean inspiration and a mean why as to why you're doing it. Were there any, because um, obviously both, you know, working in film, like, were there any other inspirations that kind of sparked the script, kind of sparked the plot for you guys in making this? Like, did you take anything from any other films that, you know, kind of put everything together in that sense? I would say uh, visually, uh, and I was inspired by... Um... Shutter Island. Shutter Island. Great movie. Great movie. Yeah. I literally just saw that movie, like, last week. That's why I'm saying that. Thank you. <laughs> this is fate. This was meant to happen, right? Yeah, totally. 
So that's our tagline, right? Because if, 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 if someone wants a quick visual reference, they go, what's it like? You know, I know it's mental health. I know it's about women and blah. And we go, well, it's Shutter Island meets the butterfly effect. In terms of, you know, cinematic visual lens. Yeah. yeah. The style. Yeah. Wow. So in that sense, like taking obviously Scorsese, probably one of, if not the best filmmaker of all time, at least in our modern era. And then obviously the butterfly effect, like you guys are trying to send this message across in a sense of like, it's okay to feel the way you're feeling, obviously, and mental health. Like in the U.S. alone, I know in the last five years has completely changed. Like it's something you never talked about, right? Like it was always something that you didn't have to keep in, but it was always something you felt like you had to keep in. If you weren't feeling right, it was hard to talk to someone. Um, Having that support system for you guys, you know, making this film or the message you're trying to send, like it's, it's heartfelt stuff. It's heavy stuff. Was there anybody against it? Obviously you guys have, strong support systems in your own right, but is there anybody like very against it? Like this is not gonna get great backlash? Uh, yes, we have warnings before, um, but the, that's, that's also the reason why we wanted to do it independently because, you know, if I sort of get this idea to uh, production companies or, you know, a network, and they probably will think that, you know, oh, it's a bit too dark. We don't really wanna go there. Or, oh, is it inclusive for only Asian women so it's not relevant to other people? But I can say that, you know, human experience, we all have shared experience. Human experience is human experience. So regardless that, you know, our race, it doesn't, you know, play a big part of it. And also, I, I, you know, okay, because of our culture, we might make decisions differently, but I guarantee you mental health is something everyone's going to experience once in their life, you know, either you know it or not, you know, you are going to experience something that's quite painful, you know, so I think, I think that's why we wanted to do it independently, and, and it also, like, you know, we, we use the, um, we're inspired for, by, you know, uh, uh, Shutter Island and the Butterfly Effect, but, you know, it's, it's just a little bit of, that's the only reference that we can say, but we also also going to put our own take on it, you know, especially, you know, how I wanted to portray for someone like me that's been suffering for the past six years. Um, I think it's very important for me to actually be original and, and tell people, bring people into my perspective as well. No, 100%. I feel like you have to go through that stuff. Like you said, the last six years, like you have to, unfortunately, like it's not a great thing, but it forms and molds who you are today, you know, both mentally, physically, whatever. Like you, I feel like you have to go through these dark times in order to find deeper meanings. Like those who tell you that they don't experience this stuff are either lying or they've yeah. literally been coasting, which isn't a great thing either because they're not going to find, you know, deeper clarity in things that they're doing. At least that's how I feel. Mm. I, I think I think yeah. I think in our culture, we still have a lot, lot more Asian women thinking, especially not our generation, like the 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 last generation, like my mom or my grandmother, like they're all immigrants, and I think for them, they literally think that no one's going to care. So why why are talking about it? You know, especially like when you're immigrant and when you're married to someone and then you're suffering domestic violence and you're th- you've got no support network, literally got no friends and family around you. 
and you know for a chinese woman that you you get married and that's you you seriously think that you're going to follow your husband forever so you can't leave your husband either you know in our culture so you know in our culture getting a divorce is is still something that you should be feeling ashamed of or or little statements yeah so all of this sort of like social and cultural stigmas that we also wanted to get rid of them as well yeah is there any specific scene that you guys are going to shoot cuz like in in the script i should say is there any specific scene that you're trying to in a sense like hit home with your audience like your target audience that you're trying to hit that you hope is like the big scene that everybody like takes a step back and it's like oh my god like it, you know like you find clarity in that moment there's a twist in the script and we're not going to show audience until you know towards the end of the film um visual style like i don't want to give away too much but um i can say this basically the leads cannot see color in her world so you know we're trying to achieve that um and then when the heartwarming you know ending comes when she walked away everything popped back into color one by one so that's all right i already gave a lot away but that <laughs> i gave it away so um but that's that's more stuff in it there is more stuff and also um i don't know if you had a chance to look at the trailer or the teaser the 30 second yeah. yeah so it, it, like you know that's that gives you a, like a taster of of what you have with a lot more yeah i don't think you gave away the entire film one no. one little sneak peek there that's a little teaser a little snack for people to for people to see but yeah i mean i think this is a very important message obviously that's getting more and more recognition as the days go on fortunately you know mental health is becoming way more of a bigger you know advocate there's a lot more advocates for it i should say mm-hmm. as there were back then i don't know what what it was like for you guys growing up for me i grew up on the east coast new york very very tough area to grow up in you know like that stuff was not talked about mm-hmm. that stuff was not talked about it was very like tough mentality tough rugged like basically you you think you're better than me type mentality like that's what it was so like for you guys what were some specific things not like personally obviously we've talked about that but you know things that you saw growing up in your cultures that you know felt that like you weren't allowed to talk about that stuff well yeah um well for me i think it was always about you know i just remember being ingrained in my head don't wash your dirty linen in public don't wash your dirty laundry in public you know so especially as a as an asian person you never talk about what's going on at home or your family because you bring shame yeah. it's literally like a mulan story a bit you know where it's your family first don't even think about yourself you know so don't shame your family don't name and shame and it's really you know you get brought up like that you know so it becomes ingrained in you so you never talk about how you're feeling or you know if something's happening or hurting so i think that has been something that i've had to work with on myself you know growing up yeah so same as me i think my experience probably tiny bit more different than bags because she's singaporean and i'm chinese and my parents been through uh culture revolution which is chairman mao and back then when my parents communicate like using like love letter like they're not supposed to say oh i love you and all of that they have to sort of praise chairman mao before they say their feelings towards each other and 
you know, it can't be too graphic either. So it was a very, my parents grew up in a very suppressed environment, being going through, like being through cultural re revolution. And, but that have trained them to not talk about feelings, not saying I love you, not um, hug, or, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that it's from our culture, from what happened, history, that continue to, you know, so because if my if if my mum and my dad don't talk about feelings, there will be a lot of conflict in between them, and there's a lot of frustration, and there's abuse, and there's a lot of things happen that me growing up now coming to my generation that I have to observe, and I have to sort of like not even talk about my feelings. So it, it's like generational like silencing, you know, it, it's, it's something that we hope that if we are the one that start talking about it, we can normalize it. It's okay to talk yeah. about it. You know, let's talk about yeah. it. Because sometimes when you have a mental disorder or your mental health is not really in a great place, if you have support network, that's the best remedy, really. If you actually have good people around you and you'll be able to talk about it and people being giving you empathy I think that's really the best remedy and I feel like obviously with this film I said it before I'll say it again you know you guys are trying to get you know blast a message across that not only will you know be look great on film but at the same time it's going to send that message like you guys are saying kind of like break through a certain barrier per se you know, that people were like, oh, like, this is not only okay to talk about, but, like, you need to talk about this stuff. Like, it's healthy. Like, it's inspiring. It's courageous, you know? Things that, you know, people typically wouldn't think, you know, yeah. 10, 20, 30 years ago. I'm yeah. so glad my mom doesn't speak English or understand English. If she knew I'm doing this, she's going to have a heart attack. She's definitely going to have a heart attack. Until you translate it, until you have subtitled it, and then we'll be in trouble. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so is this, like, by far the most intense and personal and emotional, like, project that either of you guys have worked on, or were there many things before that were, you know, like, you had set in stone, but, like, they just didn't work out, or...? Um, this is definitely the most intense subject and project that yeah. we worked on. Um, I think even though, like, because Beck's been working really close to me because she's not just one of the act, one of the lead cast, she's also the production coordinator. And she's really good at doing PR as well. So she's like multiple roles and, and like, for example, contacting you and stuff like that. And, and, Throughout this time that the past four weeks we've been manic and, and, but we didn't realize that, you know, just talking about the film and we, we've been very blessed that we're getting a lot of attention. Um, and a lot of people have, like private investor have, you know, came on board and, and trying to help us as well, which is we're really, really grateful for. Um, but Bex and I was having conversations like, this is, this is really hard because it's it, it's kind of triggered us in a way that I haven't seen my family for three years because of COVID, um, and she hasn't seen what four years. You haven't seen your mom for four years, um, so I think that it, it go back to like what we're trying to say: the lack of family support and the isolation, the loneliness, and loneliness can kill. You know, and and we we 
glad that we have each other. But it, it, if you think about immigrant women, that people are uh, only just moved to another country or only been there for a couple of years, it takes about five to 10 years to build your support network in a foreign country. Yeah. And on top of that, you have to actually get used to a different culture. And that sort of, and, and then, you know, so that, that created a lot of hurdles for immigrants and especially for immigrant women, they're easier to get depression, you know, once they move to another foreign country. So yeah, so it definitely the most intense project we ever worked on. And, and it sort of sometimes it gives us triggers, you know? Yeah. I mean, and, sorry. You can go ahead. I was just going to say, like, it's been interesting because I think every whenever we do these chats or, you know, like uh, if we do them live on IG or whatever, or, you know, we've had a lot of people engage with us and uh, talk about, you know, and reach out. And, and I think they, until they see someone doing it, you know, um, people are scared to, or they don't feel there is a community which they feel safe enough to do it. So... I mean, we've, we've, we feel so grateful that, you know, we've had opportunities like this to talk about it. Is there anyone in specific that's reached out to the, either two of you throughout this process and, like, their story kind of stuck out to you? Oh, we have a lot of women, not just uh, Asian women. We have, you know, that um, a British women that reach out to us saying that, you know, they, they really love the project, love the topic, and we have charity reach out for us, um, to us. And, and yeah, we, we, we do have a lot of feedback. And I think, I think what I, I don't think if Beck's worrying about this, I, I constantly thinking, do my other friends that don't know me well enough thinking that, because mental health, talking about mental health is trendy right now, that's why we're doing it. But that's not the case. Yeah. And that is not the case. And, and I think it's the trend that talking about mental health inspire us to make us having the confidence to come out now. Yeah, definitely. Definitely that. So this is nothing that we, it's, it's not because we're doing it because of the trend, you know. Um, or, you know, just, you know, uh, I think it's definitely that is something that we're passionate about and it's closely related to our experience and we hope that people can see that through the film. Yeah, that's tough. I didn't even consider that fact that, you know, again, with it being, you know, with, with there being more advocates out there, some people are like, are they really doing it genuinely or are they doing it to build cloud or build, you know, subscribers, you know, like, are they doing it because it's a trendy thing? I did not take that into consideration. Like that, that kind of just blew my mind because that that's real. You know, that's out yeah. there. Yeah. It, it's kind of tough to um, dissect what is real and what isn't real content these days. Yeah. But what people don't understand is now that I have come out and talk about this, they don't understand that how much I'm actually preparing to lose. I will lose job probably because I was in, I was in death race and I was holding a, you know, gun, you know, while I was having my, you know, complex trauma and PTSD. And, and now I'm, you know, again on another action film doing Mission Impossible. And if I talk about this, I might not get insured. I might lose my job. That's a lot for me to lose. And, and I'm a very private person. And if I talk about this, 
I might harm my family that didn't want me to talk about it. So it's basically if people think that we're doing this just out of our own sort of like thing, like, or we want to be trendy, then they have no idea how much that we could potentially, especially me, potentially losing. Now, is that obviously because you want to tell a story that is something, it's not you want to tell this story, it's kind of like you have to tell this story in a sense in order to find, you know, not satisfaction or fulfillment, but like you're trying to spread a message and you're willing to do that at all costs. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think, I think, um, you know, if, if I could actually get more Asian women to come out to actually not, not come out, but not scared of expressing they're having trouble, you know, they're having depression, they're having anxiety, you know, they're not feeling well um, to their family and seek help because statistically, because I'm actually undergoing my um, forensic psychology master's. So I know I have to study all of this thing and statistically, you know, immigrant women, they, you know, they, they don't really dare to seek help, especially mental health you know, problem that they, they don't really seek help in foreign country. And they it's not it's not just that they didn't know it's available to them. And it's also because the social stigma and the cultural stigmas. So we need to talk more about it and get rid of it so more people can actually know that they can get help. So I guess the last thing I want to touch on with you guys, because I don't want to take too much of your evening, I guess. I literally just woke up. It's still morning here. <laughs> but... You guys, with this film, obviously trying to spread a very, very heavy message here in the sense, and obviously your target audience is going to appreciate this more when it comes out. You know, you guys going to begin shooting very soon. Um, last thing, I guess, like what is the clear um, message here? Is there anything else that you guys want to put out there? Any other ways people can see the film once it comes out? So we're still in the fundraising stage, so I'll... I'll... Rebecca can take over. Yeah. So so basically, we're still fundraising. Um, we've got just under, we've got 15 days now to go uh, on the Indiegogo platform. And we are literally, you know, asking that people, you know, just understand that why the reason, I think the reason why we're making it is so that women will have a voice now and not suffer in silence anymore. So by actually helping to fund our film and get it made and shot, will actually enable this, you know, you'll see more, more of us on screen, more female voices, more people talking about mental health, it not becoming a trendy hashtag. Yeah. And, you know, basically um, giving our women a voice. And then what would be, like, the best-case scenario for you guys in this? Because, again, like, if you inspire one person, like, I'd consider that a win. You know, like, you're looking to inspire people, obviously more, you know, hundreds, thousands of people watching this film. But what is what would you guys consider, you know, a, a success in all of this once it's all settled and people have seen it? Oh, I feel like we already succeed. Yeah. Because based on getting a lot of people attention and especially like you wanted to give us a platform to help us. And I think just, you know, I think success is not about is the film ever going to be made or is the film ever going to win a war or the film ever going to be sold. I don't think, I mean, personally, that's not 
successful for me. I think successful, it's, you know, while I'm doing something, when I'm experiencing something, when I'm, you know, it, everything is a process. So during this process, if other people can understand what I'm trying to say and understand what I'm trying to deliver, I think that's, I'm making connection and that connection is successful to me. Yeah. So we yeah. already succeeded. Yeah. I mean, it's that's, that's literally the most important thing, I feel like. And Rebecca, I'll let you talk because <laughs> this is about you guys. So I want to give you the floor. Oh, no, no, of course. No, I was just going to say it's been phenomenal because, I mean, the people who've also wanted to speak with us, I think, have just realized. And it's been, interestingly, a, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, male males. You know, um, I think who have just been interested um, to hear what we have to say and, you know, it, it, it's and reached out. I mean, even on LinkedIn, you know, and we never thought it would be a platform that we would use to spread this message. But it's been our most engaged engagement we've had so far. Um, and I mean, you know, it, that has been incredible, even for getting investors who are not even in the creative industry. So that just goes to show, you know, um, the story that we're telling, the success that we already feel in terms of how we're engaging with people and people being aware of it. So, so we have very, yeah, so not, it's only last week we have two executive producers came on board and, and one of them is a Caucasian male, Chris Wright, and, and other one is a, another Singaporean. She's a um, really successful, you know, um, Asian investment boss banker, boss lady, boss lady, and Julia Go, and since then, they've been so supportive of us, yeah. and to me, that's, we already succeeded, if people can see what we're trying to do. Exactly, and we are very, a very diverse squad at the moment, so we're very grateful for that. Well, obviously, just from talking to you guys here for the past 40 minutes or so, like, you guys obviously are doing this for the right reasons. You're taking the skills that you've developed over, you know, years of experience, and you're coming together to spread a message that's far greater than all of us, which I definitely appreciate. This is the stuff that I love talking about. Like, these are real conversations that I love to discuss with people. And Dysphoria, you guys, again, are in the fundraising stages that you watch out for the film. We'll be promoting it all the way up until you guys obviously release it. Uh, and again, Rebecca, Yenis, I want to thank you guys for being gracious enough thank to come you. on the show today. So I'll let you get to your evenings. I'll start my day off now. We'll see what happens. But um, thank you again so much and enjoy the rest of the time. And best of luck with the film. Catch new episodes of The O Show for free, available on all audio platforms, including Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. For full video versions of the podcast, head on over to YouTube and StarWorldWideNetworks.com. The O Show is presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness is an inclusive, high-intensity fitness experience developed by the champ Floyd Money Mayweather himself. The best group boxing workout in the market, Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.